It's always so awkward to start a podcast. Hey guys! There we go. We got it. I'm learning. All right. and Alyssa here, the Millers. We are recording episode three. We're going to talk about intuitive eating today. The Diet Riot Podcast. So first, we wanted to start off with a quick disclaimer that this podcast is in no way a substitute of seeing a doctor or an actual dietitian in person. It's just our personal opinions and mostly just a conversation. So don't hold us to anything. Okay, great. Yeah, please don't (laughs) sue us. Anyways, that's Brooke Miller. I'm Alyssa Miller. Our voices are more similar than I thought they would be. So people may not be able to tell us apart. And today we're talking about intuitive eating and diet culture, kind of all the things. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. (laughs) So first of all, if you haven't read or heard of the book Intuitive Eating, you should check it out. It's a really good read. It's a pretty fast read. And it just kind of goes over the main points of intuitive eating, um, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, so I'm actually listening to it on Audible, which has been really nice. But it is like, I mean, it's like 10 hours of listening, yeah. <laughs> which is not, and it's 10 hours, and I'm listening to it like one and a half speed or 1.75 speed. So, but Audible is a great thing, not sponsored, but, <laughs> but I've been listening to books on Audible, and it's been really nice. So I've been listening to it this whole week, because I've actually never read it, even though I know most of the principles of intuitive eating, but it's been really good to actually get like a... From the source information on intuitive eating. Yeah, I read it one or two times, but it's been a few years. Um, so I wanted to go over the points of it just to refresh myself. Why? Because <laughs> we forgot to do all the housekeeping stuff and the corrections. Oh. Dang it. Okay. Let's... I'll just splice it in. Oh. Okay, let's do it now. Splice it in. Splice. Splice. Splice is the word that we like to use okay. in podcasting. Um, so corrections from our last episodes. Yes. Not from the first one, because that was just an introduction. Yeah. We don't have any other. Mm-hmm. But from the second episode, we wanted to say a little bit late that it's kind of a trigger warning for anyone with disordered eating or eating disorders that are in current recovery. Yeah. If you're currently struggling with it, with any disordered eating or eating disorders, this podcast, we don't want to trigger you. <laughs> yeah. Trigger warning from here on out. Yeah. So, um, no, but for real, last episode, we just talked about dieting. And what um, had happened, like, what our experiences were. We talked a lot about, like, intentions behind what you're choosing to put into your body as far as nutrition, which I think is really important. But if you're struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, like, please seek professional help. Um, But honestly, that was just kind of our experience. So, and be forewarned if you're going to listen back. Um, Other than that, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the difference between diets and diet culture and, like being anti-diet, which is like, or non-diet dietitian, mm-hmm. we're not for diets like fad diets or like diets that are focused solely on losing weight, anything like that. However, and like medical nutrition therapy, we're all for. Mm-hmm. So when there's a specific diagnosis that you've been diagnosed with from your doctor that requires specific nutrients or to avoid specific nutrients... That is not what we're talking about when we talk about anti-diet or non-diet. Right. If you're a diabetic, if you have type 2 diabetes, or you can't process, like, hey, glucose. Celiac, celiac, <laughs> celiac disease. disease. If I just wanted to be like, screw it, I'm going to eat 
gluten for I the next be every day. That would not be good. I would love a bagel. Right yeah, now. but every day I'm gonna eat a bagel. Yeah, if I started eating bagels, every it's day, not gonna go well. No, probably I'll like get cancer. <laughs> you have to remove your entire colon. Yeah. Anyways, um, so we just wanted to make that distinction. And then also, I don't feel like in the last podcast we did a very good job of explaining what our Instagram handles are. So our podcast Instagram handle is at diet.riot.podcast. My Instagram is at Allie, A-L-Y, one L, dot Miller, dot R-D-N. And Brooke, she did a good job last time. Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, period, M-A-E, period, Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R. Nailed it. That is my name. We also have an email now. Thank you, husband what? Josh. <laughs> Thank you, this husband is news Josh. To me. <laughs> yes. So we officially have an email address. It is hello, H-E-L-L-O, at dietriotpodcast.com. Also exciting information. I don't know. Have I told you this yet? What? Um, we now have an intro and outro music. Did I tell you? No. My husband's cousin is an amazing drummer, <laughs> and he uses this, like, he's going to laugh so hard when he hears me try to just <laughs> describe this. It's like a sweet little drum machine thing that has all these different sounds, and he makes really cool beats. And I, I just think of Ross him. with his keyboard on drums. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm picturing. <laughs> In the coffee shop. <laughs> Can we please have an episode where we use that little clip yes. to intro us? Sorry, Tyler, you've been overwritten <laughs> by Ross Geller. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Okay, now we have to We watch that. way too much Friends. Yeah. yeah, we really do. Okay, so anyway, so he is going to create a beat for us so we can use it as our intro and outro. So what? our podcast is going to be so amazing now. That's awesome. Yep. Anyways, I think that's it for updates. Do you have anything or corrections? Nah, we're just going to go with the flow. Yeah, we're just going to move past it. We're going to go with the flow. If you're um, expecting perfect, you came to the wrong place. Yeah. So, we are going to be talking today about intuitive eating. So, yeah. episode three, intuitive eating. Um, we wanted to give the ten points of the book that is written by Evelyn Triboli. And sure Elise, it's Tribble or Triboli. Rush. And Elise Rush. Rush. Rich. Yes. Shoot. I've read the book... Twice. I bought it. I don't know where it is now. I'm pretty sure I gave it to my mom or somebody to read. Pass it on. I have passed it on. Um, Audible, man. But yeah, it is on Amazon, so you can order it there. Or from your local library. Yeah. Very good read. Um, I do recommend listening to it to one and a half times speed, because <laughs> it goes way faster. But it was really good. Um, so it was my first time reading the actual book, or listening to the actual book. Versus just kind of like doing my own research about it. So I, I think it was really good because it's all encompassing. And I feel like a lot of the information out on the internet kind of like leaves points out or like talks about specific points more than others when really it's an equality like situation. Like all of these points are really important. So the first one is rejecting the diet mentality. When we say diet culture, that's right. what this means. Like the diet culture in our society is the diet mentality. Right, and so these are diets that are geared especially towards weight loss. Um, so if you're just doing a diet, let's say for a month to lose weight, it's not going to work long term. It may work for that month, but then if you look six months later, you're probably going to be at a higher weight than you were before you started. Yeah, so like any diet that's out there that's telling you to restrict an entire food group or mm -hmm. to 
that restrict amine completely like omit which some diets do but also just decrease the amount of this or decrease the amount of that or increase the amount of this type of food basically any diet or lifestyle or like food choices or whatever people are starting to call it there's a whole bunch of words that are pretty sneaky that still mean diet so anything that's telling you to reduce the amount of food you're eating reduce the amount of carbs you're eating, anything like that, that's a diet. Counting calories, Counting too. calories, holy moly. Anything, you know, that is anything to do with diet is really what they're talking about. So rejecting that diet mentality or the diet culture that's out there and saying, nope, not for me, moving on. So that's, they talk about, like, throwing away literally every diet book you have and magazine article that gives you this, like, idea that maybe if you just follow their rules or read this book or implement these principles, you'll lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I think the focus for the diet mentality for most people is weight loss. And so when you're doing something just to lose weight or if you're doing something for a quick fix, it's not going to work long term. And then having a list of good and bad foods can make feelings of guilt and shame pretty strong. And I think that that can also lead to eventually lead to disordered eating or totally. an eating disorder. So, well, the whole like what's funny is when you take when you're out of diet culture, when you start taking a few steps back, which is I feel like where I'm at now, and you can see it, it's so painful to watch because it's this horrible cycle of basically everything in the media telling you that you're too fat or you're too thin. Mm-hmm. And everything that they're selling stuff. That's what mm-hmm. it is. I mean, they're really, they're creating this shame, this doubt in people that make them feel, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I should look like that. I shouldn't look like this. I'm heavier than I was in high school whatever we all are (laughs) who isn't (laughs) anyways um so all these things are there to create insecurities in you Mm -hmm. so that you will buy their stuff i forget the number i think they said oh gosh i think i wrote it down yeah 66 billion that's with the b -b 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 -b, billion Mm -hmm. dollar industry is the diet weight loss industry right 66 billion dollars that's why they're sending all these messages that you're not thin enough. You're, right. you know, you should be ashamed. You should go to the gym more. You should, whatever, all of this thing. That's the cycle that we fall into when we're invested in diet culture. And the hard thing about that is, I wonder, I don't have the statistics on this in front of me, but it would be interesting to find the statistics of how many people are buying these products that are actually normal weight, normal weight, because, or, oh. or not even normal weight. Healthy. Oh, I believe that. Because healthy at whatever size they're Because at. for me, for instance, my BMI has always been overweight. I've always been in the overweight category. Do I consider myself overweight? No, absolutely not. I'm short and I have more muscle mass than some women. And so that is considered overweight. Right. So yes, I've gone to the doctor for a physical. They've done all my labs. Everything's been perfect. And they've said, you know, but you are overweight according to your BMI. Same with, you know, and and to me, it's like, okay, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Because what they're looking at, all that BMI was calculated off of, all of this like normal weight ranges or growth curves or whatever, all that was was looking at 100 people, 1,000 people, 100,000 people and figuring out what quote unquote normal looked like. That's not taking into account everyone's individual DNA makeup. In account your your muscle, muscle mass, mass your wa- even like, BMI, female, male, like totally different. Right. It doesn't matter. It's crazy. It's like I don't know, whatever. It's just it's all. It was created with good intentions, right? right? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. But when you put people into those categories and start calling them names that infer in our diet culture that they're less than or mm-hmm. not 
whatever, not perfect, then you create a shame and insecurity doubt that forces them to say, oh, I should do this or something. I should do something about this. I should have more personal responsibility. So I'm going to go on a diet to lose mm-hmm. weight to fit this like thin ideal or whatnot. Well, doesn't work right. because I have a quick statistic. 68% of people, nope, that's the wrong statistic. <laughs> Two thirds of people gain more weight yeah. Regardless of starting whatever diet for however long, even if they start it for just like a day or two, they end up gaining more weight than they end than they lose. Right. And usually they end up heavier than they were when they first started. So you're better off not even never having method. been on a diet in your entire life by the time you're thirty five versus being on multiple diets by yeah. the time you're thirty five. And I've seen that cycle with friends and family too where They've tried a diet, it's worked for six months, and then you see them six months later and they're larger than they were before they started that oh, diet, and it's which, so common. in that, so, you know, they talk about diet culture, and I love when they talk about it, it's like, okay, so you start this diet, so you feel uncomfortable in your body, maybe you want to do it for you, maybe you want to do it because other people are telling you to, that they're concerned about your health, whatever. So you start this diet to lose weight, you lose weight, people go, oh my gosh, you look so great. They give you all these, these compliments, compliments that are all focused on your body and your size and how you look and, and appear. Look. And then you gain the weight back because you will. And then they're silenced. And then they're silenced. Yeah. And then you, you're right back in that like guilt and shame and mm-hmm. feeling lesser than or like you failed. So then what do you do? You turn right. to another diet because there's a new one out because there will always be right. a new one out that you think, oh, or this is the one. Or a supplement or a program. Totally. And or then, shakes. Oh, yeah. So sad. So yes. it's hard to watch. So when you when you start to reject that diet culture, and identifying it by name, I think is really important. So when you have something that you're presented with in your life that makes you feel shame, guilt, or insecure, if it's coming from diet culture, I think that's where you like say it out loud. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's just diet culture. That's just crap that I'm letting seep into me and affect who I am as a person. So that's their first point, <laughs> but yeah. it's a big one. I it's think a we huge should one. almost like have an entire episode. Just on that point. Because there's so many sneaky ways that I think diet culture still creeps in that I think it'd be cool to, like, actually point out and be like, hey, like, this is part mm-hmm. of diet culture. So. Yeah. And, I mean, I think we've all been guilty of that at totally. some point of falling into it. I mean, there was points in college where I remember I was tracking my calories. Well, even our whole last episode. Oh yeah. My gosh, how Everything many people, that we've done. Yeah. How many people did I teach to count their calories? Yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. it's been I, like, so long. Want to apologize to all of them? Like I'm so sorry. Or I worked in the hospital and was like, "Oh, oh you had a heart attack. Let's yes. get you on everything <laughs> low fat. Two, yeah, two <laughs> grams sodium. Yeah, like, low fat. It's. I mean, a lot. It's just a lot really has hard. changed. Yeah, a lot has changed. And you know, it's what's really interesting about the book that I hadn't heard before. Um, that I not only read in this book, but also. Several other podcasts have mentioned it, and I'd love to know the name of the research study, so maybe I'll have that for us next time. But there's a research study out that shows a large percentage of the um, diagnoses or health problems that come later in life that they once thought was due to being overweight or obese. They actually say now that they can show that it's not coming from being overweight or obese, but it's actually coming from the stigma that comes along with being overweight and obese. That's mm. causing like extra stress because you feel shame or you feel guilt or you feel uncomfortable in your own body. The yo-yo dieting mm. and that cycle that we just talked about getting back into that. And that's actually what's causing high cholesterol, high blood pressure, like 
a lot of these diagnoses that people once thought was just because you are physically overweight. Mm, Whereas we talk yeah. about health at every size, having someone that maybe is in a larger body or <laughs> presents as obese or overweight on the normal quote unquote scale mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have all these issues unless right. maybe they succumb to some of the stress. That's well, and think of how culture. many friends or relatives or people you know that their BMI is normal, mm-hmm. but you know you know what they're eating and yeah. you know that they have never exercised and in truth be told if they get their cholesterol drawn or their glucose drawn just out of physical like there are going to be signs signs of things going Mm -hmm. wrong on on the inside of their body that you would not be able to see on the outside of their body so just because your bmi is normal that does not mean that you are at optimal health or you are quote unquote healthy right just like somebody who's categorized as um, overweight or obese on the BMI scale, just because it says that on the BMI, that does not mean that you are not healthy. Right. I mean, I mean, that is literally my life. Like when I got married, super normal weight range, like quote unquote normal, whatever within a good BMI range didn't work out for a lick. Didn't care about like what I was really eating for a long time. And then now I'm super fit. Like I work out five times a week easily give it on the week, but still like, it's a totally different type of fitness and strength that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. However, those pictures of me from the outside when I first got married or whatever, it's like, Oh, she's really fit or she's really healthy or she's the, no, man, I felt like crap. So <laughs> whatever. Right. But so, that's yeah, a that's one. a really good one. And this, are you ready to move on? To yeah. Okay. We won't spend this much time on each one, but mm-hmm. the no. second one is honor your hunger. Yeah, I think this was a really good point. Um, Something I think about when honoring hunger is I think about a child or when I was a breastfeeding coordinator at my last job, I think about breastfeeding. So when you're breastfeeding a child or if you're feeding a toddler at the table, when they're hung or when they're full, they're going to stop. They're Mm going to, they're going to stop eating. They're going to pull away. Um, if they physically turn their head away. Right. Yeah. You've breastfed. Yeah. You can attest to that. That kid will not eat. Yes. He's done. Right. Which yeah. is great because then you know that they got what they needed and they'll let you know when they're hungry again. Totally. So that's the cool thing about like breastfeeding on demand. Um, the other thing about feeding a toddler is if, and maybe you can attest to this too, totally. if you're feeding Aiden and he is full, then he's going to stop eating. Yep. Even though yesterday, maybe for breakfast, he ate more. Oh, that doesn't every mean day that today is right. going to be the same. If I told you one time he ate two full servings of dinner and four bananas in one sitting. Listen, I cannot eat four bananas if you forced me to. <laughs> no, That's I a lot either. of food. Okay? He had four bananas and two helpings of dinner in one sitting. I was like, oh my gosh, this kid, next day, three bites. I'm not even like exaggerating. Yes. Three bites. And he was done. Okay. That makes sense. You know, and some parents, I think, get really freaked out. We'll talk about this more in a different episode about kids. But they get really freaked out watching that because we're creatures of habit. And I talked about this a little bit in my first or second episode, I forget. Um, that you reach for the same portion size because it's what you're used to mm-hmm. doesn't mean that's what you need. And right. In all reality, okay. every day we should be eating, eating different portion sizes. Again, yeah, and another thing to go along with that is let's say, let's say we're going to go to cycling or spin class after dinner. Mm-hmm. We may eat a little bit more or at a different time or we may eat eat dinner and then we may eat a snack before cycling to get us through or something after. And so the timing of your meals will be different. Right. And 
And then again, looking at the clock. So honoring your hungers, which means stopping when you feel full and eating when your body is telling you to eat, not because it's noon. Whereas yesterday at noon, you may have been hungry and eating, but today it's 1.30 and now you're, you're just realizing, oh my gosh, I haven't even eaten yet. That literally That happened to me yesterday too. (laughs) We, so we work together obviously, but we both work from home, so we IM all the time. And it's so funny because one day I'll be like, oh, I'm just now eating breakfast. It's 10.30 because I wasn't hungry for breakfast Mm -hmm. before then. Sometimes it's because I'm being super lazy, but most of the time it's because I'm not hungry. And then the other day I had, I had lunch at like 11.15 and I was like, wow, that's pretty early for me to eat lunch. Whereas two days ago I didn't have lunch. It was like 2.30 and I was like, wait. I haven't, why am I not hungry yet, you know? And those are things you need to tune into. And later we'll talk a little bit more about like, okay, why was that that I wasn't hungry till 2.30? Why was that that I wasn't? So that you can get in tune with your body. But honoring your hunger, oh my gosh, I saw this hilarious meme, I don't know if you call it a meme, photo, whatever, on Instagram that this woman posted that was like, she was like pretending to hold her pee. And she was like, when I have to pee, I pee. So why don't I eat when I'm hungry? Oh, <laughs> like, yes, yes, that is exactly right. When we pee, when we have to pee, same with poop. You don't just like <laughs> listen. If I gotta poop, circle this back to poop. Discuss. <laughs> we gotta talk about it every episode. Yeah, it's we a do challenge for us. Um, but seriously, when you have that urge that you have to pee, you pee. Like yeah. that is not something that you're like you. You find. I'm bathroom. just gonna suppress that and hope that it goes away. Yeah. No, and yeah. you don't try to fake your body out by. Oh, I'll just pretend in my head like I'm peeing or whatever. No, no, no. You right. go pee. Just like if you're hungry, hey, that means you're hungry. So eat something. And that's not going to mm-hmm. go away. And your body's not going to be tricked. Your body's not dumb, people. Mm-hmm. Your body is way smarter than probably we are as humans. <laughs> yeah. The other thing with this point, too, is um, I grew up in a household that was guilty of this. And it is the clean your plate mindset. Oh, really? You cannot... Yes, I was not able to get up until I finished my dinner. And looking back on it, it it is hard because there's, yeah, there are times and days where you're more hungry and you want seconds and then there's times where you're not as hungry. And so I think that's a, that's a habit that if you're a parent, I would try to get out of that habit for your kids. Totally. Instead of pushing them to clean their plate, um, just push them to at least try, maybe try everything on their plate. Mm-hmm. And then if they're complaining that they're full, then maybe put it in the fridge. And then if they're complaining yes. they're hungry an hour or two later, then whip it back, Bring out. It back out. Instead this of is what we have, because what the kids are smart, they'll just say, "Oh, I'm full," and then yes. an hour later they want I ice want cream yeah. or a snack, and then that's when you say, "No, no, 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 <laughs> you, you can have the." You, You're more than welcome to eat. This is what mom made. Yeah, and so I think that that's something that as parents and as adults, we need to, like, just because we put it on our plate doesn't mean we have to finish it. Yeah. And that's something that I've been really good about, too, is if I have something on my plate and I realize I can't finish it, I'll either put it in a thing for leftovers or I'll say, hey, Jesse, are you hungry? Mm -hmm. While we're eating dinner, do you want the rest of this plate? Totally. Or vice versa, he'll do it to me. He'll say, oh, do you want the rest of my potatoes? Yes, always. That's where, <laughs> listen, that's where, like, dogs come in handy. Or, <laughs> like, farm animals. Yeah. Like, because I'm a big, I'm not a clean your plate person I never was, which was really nice. But you do feel this sense, for me, I'm in charge of buying all our groceries. Mm-hmm. I feel this sense of food waste when I spend, because I was, listen, we're not going to talk about how much I spend on groceries. Costco. <laughs> oh, God, Costco. We won't talk please about your Costco, Costco bill. Please, um, 
uh, what's that called? Sponsor us, Costco. Yes. I will be an ambassador for you for like dirt cheap. Yeah. Cover my membership fee. I'll take it. Yeah. I point everyone to Costco. Anyways, yeah. back to, oh God, I got so distracted by Clean Costco. Clean your plate. Clean your plate. Um, I get in this mentality of not wasting food. I hate wasting food. Mm-hmm. I hate throwing away food. We're looking and doing a compost this spring because it literally hurts me when I like throw away my freaking pasture-raised eggs that were $6, and I'm yeah. like, you didn't finish but that? But you could put it in the fridge and eat it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. There are certain foods I can't do leftovers. Some I do, but there are, like, I just don't love food waste. So what I do, feed it to my dog. I, I do, too. <laughs> Leo gets a lot of but food. But I also have to, like, come to terms with this is a food rule that I've imposed on myself. If I bought a kombucha that I thought I was going to like. I got this mango one the other day. It was nasty. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was like drinking straight apple cider vinegar. Make Josh drink it. <laughs> Make, I, can kids have kombucha? Yeah. I've been giving so. it to yeah. Aiden. I was like, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I don't, Whatever. they probably shouldn't drink a huge no, thing because no. it might hurt their stomachs. Well, like I gave this it to him and he was like, oh, I like this. And then I was like, Mommy doesn't like it. And I was like, it was really cool because I, I like everything I cook because I cook. But it was a good experience to teach him that it's okay to not like a food. And as you know, I tried it and I was like, oh, I don't really like this. So I gave it to him and he goes, I like it. And I said, oh, great. I don't really like it. So mommy's all done. And I pushed it away. But in my head, I was kind of fighting this. I spent $4 on this freaking kombucha. But somebody else. And I don't like it. it. Yeah. Well, no, we threw it away. Oh. Josh doesn't drink kombucha. He thinks oh. it tastes like medicine. Oh, Aiden had a few sips and then he also decided he didn't like it. Probably influenced Probably because you said that. But, at le- but uh-huh. I do like that I gave him that option to say, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. He's not a picky eater. He like likes everything we feed him. So very rarely does he use those words. So it's kind of cool to teach him that, but I didn't like it. But I had a hard time throwing away because I was like, $4 on a kombucha. Mm-hmm. But I don't like it. But I'm not going to drink an entire... <laughs> That's too expensive. <laughs> but I'm not going to drink an entire kombucha that I hate right. just because I paid for it. Yeah. Think about all those, like, I don't know, all that food that I do that with because I made it or I spent time over it. Yes. That's a food rule that I struggle with. So, honor your hunger. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, make peace with food. Mm -hmm. So, um, the one example I always think of is I'm at a birthday party or (laughs) I'm at Halloween or I'm at some sort of family gathering and my favorite dessert is there. Uh My favorite, let's just... For me, it's like ice cream cake or (laughs) ice cream. But let's say they have my favorite ice cream out. I'm going to eat a little bit of it. Totally. Instead of saying, you know, I'm on a diet. I'm fighting this. I can't have that. Maybe. People say that. I can't have that. Yes. Why? Who told you you can't can't have that? that? And maybe, again, if you're you're allergic to something, don't. (laughs) Or like, I shouldn't eat. I shouldn't eat just regular cake because I want it. Yeah, celiac. I'll eat the frosting Hashtag off, celiac. off of it. Um, oh my gosh, that's so funny. But yeah, peanuts. Listen, people, if you have a peanut allergy, you can't be an intuitive eater around peanuts. Yeah, don't eat peanuts. Don't do it. So, yes. So I think it's you know if your favorite dessert again right. if it's a dessert that you don't really care for like yeah. for me I've never been a huge cookie or brownie person. Girl, so we need to. Switch. I want ice cream. Yeah. But, you know, if it's a dessert that Cookies you like, my jam. <laughs> that you just kind of, you like, but then right. you don't necessarily have to eat it. Right. Don't always eat dessert. But if it's a dessert that you 
you see it and you're like, that looks delicious or and that I'm kind of craving it. Me. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. And maybe just don't grab the largest piece. Maybe start with a smaller piece and then if you want more, go back for more. Right. So Well, then we, we in the book, I thought this was really good. They talk about physically, like, get out your pen and paper, write out a list of foods that you think you can't have. Mm, so if you yeah. saw them sitting in front of you, you would say to yourself, oh, I can't have that. I can't eat that. I can't do that. I don't have a problem with that. I know that no, no foods are off limits. I will say what I noticed this week reading the book. I have this weird rule that I can't have that food at a certain time of day. Like before noon. I'm very weird about what foods I can have before noon. Why? Why do I put that kind of restraint on me? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that is weird. It's so weird. So those are like little food rules that sneak in. But making peace with food means that all foods are welcome in your diet. And what they do in the book, which I really like, is they rename, reclassify junk foods as play foods. So it's like, oh, this isn't trash food that's going to hurt my body. I'm going to have a heart attack as soon as I eat it. This is a food that I know is not nutritionally dense and doesn't make sense for my body. And I usually probably don't function well after it. But I enjoy it, so it's worth eating. And I'm going to enjoy it every once in a while. I'm going to savor it. I'm going to enjoy it when I want it. Slowly. And pay attention to whether or not you actually like it. There are foods... Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is like... Okay, we talked about Cheetos in the last episode. I love the puffed Cheetos. Those are so good. Oh my gosh, yes. The crunchy ones? Don't get me started on those. (laughs) My friends know. The people listening to this, (laughs) you know who you are. (laughs) You mailed me Cheetos. When I had a bad week a few months ago. Right? And chocolate. Thank you. Yeah. I still have the chocolate in the freezer. I'm still eating it. Clearly doesn't still have the Cheetos. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. But like, okay, Cheetos, puffy ones, so good. So good. Tiny, crunchy ones, don't oh, like no, them at all. delicious. Okay. Well, we differ in that. Yeah. First thing we differ in right <laughs> there. Delicious. Ding, ding, ding. So I don't like the crunchy ones. But if that's all there is at a party, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll like these. No, pay attention. Hold them in your hand, eat them, and go, oh, I really don't like these. Throw them away. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. And it, in my head, it, you know, and I think most people get this, like, confused, like, well, if that's all there is, or I, will, I really want this, but all I have is this, then I'll eat that. So it's like milk and dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I really only like dark chocolate. But if there's milk chocolate, for some reason in my brain, sometimes I'll be like, oh, well, this will satisfy me. Mm-hmm. No, it won't, because I wanted dark chocolate. Yes. So I'm going to keep eating milk chocolate. Until I finally have a piece of dark chocolate. Most likely. Same with, so Halloween candy. So we just had Halloween. We have a lot of Halloween candy at home still. We have three musketeers in there. And I I do not like three musketeers. Uh-huh. I don't like Who the texture. Does? Jesse does. Oh, come on. I know. He's getting No, it's ours. fine. We actually don't I, have any left. I said, I, think we only I started have giving the kids just like handfuls of just <laughs> three musketeers so that I could <laughs> Skittles. That's awesome. Because, and Girl, the Skittles, Skittles are gone. Can you take them? Oh, yeah, they're so like good. Them. I love Skittles. I do that weird thing in my throat that I feel like I have to brush my teeth and gargle with salt oh, water yeah. after. I'll take all your Skittles. <laughs> okay, good. So, take them. Anyway, so I yes, I so. have not touched a Three Musketeer. Uh-huh. And I'm very proud of myself because if I was craving chocolate, right. and like, let's say I was just like, I need something sweet, normally I would just eat it because it's chocolate. Right. But, like... The more I think about it, it's it's not satisfying to me because I don't like it. I'm better off just getting a scoop of peanut butter out of the fridge and eating that, and that is <laughs> totally. way more satisfying. Yeah. I love the taste of that more. So yeah, I think it's I think it's making peace with food, but actually exploring the taste and texture of things yeah. and realizing if you like it or not. And if you taste, if you start eating a cookie at a party and you take a bite of it and you think 
this is not that good. It's right. stale or I don't like the texture. Give it to somebody else or throw it away right. without the hostess seeing you instead of just forcing yourself to finish it because you feel bad. Right. Exactly. So. Or you think that it might, like, oh, I know this first bite doesn't satisfy what I need, but maybe if I finish the whole cookie. Nope, probably, probably not. Probably won't if the first bite, yeah. But literally, I mean, I think that's good advice. Make an entire list of foods that you can't have. This kind of goes into the next one, too, which it is does. number four, challenge the food police. So literally make a list of foods that you think you can't have. They're forbidden. They're, they, I don't know, people have told you you can't eat them or this is unhealthy or this has that. Make a list, see what's on there, and then, hey, guess what? Throw that list away. You can literally have those foods in your diet. Mm-hmm. But again, nine times out of ten, some of those foods, you may not even really like. You just like the appeal of them have being forbidden. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's like has this extra allure to it because someone told you you can't have it or you told yourself you can't have it. Well, then I'm going to want it secretly for a really long time. Okay, now eat it. Tell me if you really like that food. And if you do, great. Keep it in your diet because yeah, enjoying your food and satisfying like a basic need is important. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, the other thing with police, food police is is calling yourself good or bad because you're following the rules. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing is if you go somewhere and you say I didn't, my favorite dessert was there. I didn't touch it. I'm so good because I've so I good I've been so good lately. Yes. That is really harmful to your relationship with food. And then on the other end, also, let's say you ate that dessert. It's your favorite dessert. Let's say it was delicious and it was the best dessert you've had all year. You know what? Good for you. Mm-hmm. Good for you yes. for getting that dessert. But let's, the say recipe. You, yeah, but let's say you leave that party and now you're like, I am feeling guilty. I'm feeling shameful. I feel bad because I ate that even though the rest of the day I, I ate bad. healthy. I was bad. Now I'm going to go to the gym and do a workout I hate the next morning to burn it off, or I'm going to go home and work out to burn it off. That is disordered eating, and that is an unhealthy relationship with food. And so I think just really focusing on not considering yourself good or bad Mm -hmm. for how you're eating and not considering food specifically as good or bad. Yeah, like you said, the play foods, or there's foods that we just know, yeah, they're not nutrient-dense. They have a lot of sugar they're not good for you, but they taste delicious, and it's okay to have those in moderation. Right. Totally. So. But listen to your body when you do. Yes. And that's like, I think, when, well, whatever. We'll get into that later. But challenging the food police, back to that, I think labeling foods as good or bad, labeling your behavior around foods good or bad, mm-hmm. and, sorry, call you out, labeling other people's food choices as good or bad. Hey, guilty. Okay? Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so guilty. First of all, we're dietitians. This is almost what we're taught in school. It is what we're taught. So it's so it's so sad to me to look back. I rem- This is so embarrassing, but it's true, so I'm going to share it. <laughs> Don't judge me, people. I'm a dietitian, and I was taught this. No, I wasn't. This was part of me. <laughs> but I used to go to Costco. Shout out again to Costco. <laughs> and you can look in other people's carts and make judgments. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so guilty of that. I would totally judge other people on their carts. And I would look at my cart and be like, oh, look at all these good quote-unquote foods that I have. This is a real thought process that happens in my head is comparing myself to other people. Hey, I have no idea what their house looks like at home. I have no idea what their eating habits look like, if they're in tune with their eating or not. Zero clue. All I saw was their cart versus my cart. And, you know, it's funny. One time I went to Costco and I bought a ton of party play food because we were having a party. Uh And I was like, oh, I wonder how many other times people were doing that and I was silently judging them. I... 
I just did this. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. No, I just did this Real this story. week. So, Jesse had me stop at the grocery store to pick up some beef. Uh-huh. And I picked up the beef, and I walked down the ice cream aisle. <laughs> also, I'm almost 24 weeks pregnant, so give me a break. <laughs> and I, we haven't had ice cream in the house in, like, I mean, oh, wow. probably six months. So, oh my gosh. I walked past it, and I said, oh, my gosh, I just need to get this ice cream. And uh-huh. I've only had it twice. Yeah. So, like, it's no judgment. twice in the last seven days. And honestly, now I forgot about it until now. And I probably won't touch it again for another week or two. But I just, I felt so guilty. I caught myself feeling so guilty checking out. And all I was checking out <laughs> with was ice cream <laughs> and ground beef. And I felt like, and I went to self-checkout again. I was judging myself. <laughs> There was no cashier. You thought the cashier was going to judge you? Yeah, I thought you people, well, yeah, again, yes. Totally, yeah. And I, I've done that too where we've bought party food where we've had guests over yeah. and we bought chips and dip and wings and whatever. Soda or whatever. Yeah, and it's stuff that we normally don't have in the house. Oh, and I, I go, judge I myself. Hope, I hope no, like, no clients or patients me. see me buying pot. I know. I know. We just so, put my head down. It's like, oh my gosh. So what? I like the occasional Coca-Cola. Back up, oh, not I even don't. diet. Well, you like diet, you weirdo. I know, I had one last night. Number two things that we disagree on. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, no, and I'm, you know, I'm a big, I feel like this week was really good for me to read this book because although I've been pretty, I would say I'm like an 80% intuitive eater, like I do pretty well, there are lurking things that I didn't really realize until they pointed it out. But also the judgment thing, being the food police. Like, we're guilty of that as dietitians. I feel like most yes. people are like, oh, those are the food police. I used to walk into, like, hospital rooms, and they would be like, here comes the food police. All the time. Like, great joke. Haven't heard that one before every other day. But it's like, well, it's true. We really kind of are taught to judge. And really, it's not our place, A. And we don't see the whole picture. Right. And like you said, health looks different than what most people think that it does. So, anyways, I also want to take this time to publicly apologize to my dad, who I judge real hard on food. <laughs> he does this thing where he does... I just judged my dad on the peanut butter he bought. I was like, Girl. Dad, there is hydrogenated oil in there. You should not be buying that. Buy the real Girl. peanut butter. And he said, I don't want to stir it. That was literally his <laughs> argument. And he bought it, and he left it at my house. So it's been in her cupboard. I did eat well, a little bit of it this week because you love peanut butter so much. Yeah, and I'm running out of well, my like whatever. Yeah, but oh, my dad does. The Sorry, same. Dad. No, it's similar. But you judged me a lot for the food choices. That she made. is doing a real hard finger at the <laughs> microphone so, right now. Just <laughs> saying. Well, it's funny. So I judge my dad pretty hard on his food, and it's because we're very similar. We eat like the similar way or the similar foods, and I see him doing things that I've learned doesn't work for my body. And so when I see him, I'm like, oh, that's going to hurt your stomach, or that's you're not going to feel good after that. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of know because he, he tells me. But him and I are different. Really, uh-huh. we're very different. But anyways, he does this thing, piece of bread. So he does butter, then peanut butter, oh. then tops it with salt. Everything about dietitian school tells me, hey, stop that. <laughs> Do not eat that. Salt. But yeah. Whatever. I mean, there's nothing wrong with no, adding no, no. salt to things, but there's nothing that just wrong sounds with like any it would of taste this. weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, listen, he does like the weirdest stuff with anything. <laughs> Anyways, I judge him pretty hard. So public apology to my dad yes. for judging him on his food choices because you do you. Yeah. Anyways. Well, the other thing it. is, um, just for friends and family, I know mo- my close friends all know that I like to enjoy the occasional treat and I'm not going to judge them, but... 
I've met people who I don't know very well and they ask what I do for a profession and I always kind of cringe to tell people that I'm a dietitian because they kind of look at me and think that I'm judging whatever's in their hand or whatever's on their plate. Like if I'm at a family, let's say I'm at a gathering and I'm meeting somebody new and we're eating, they'll kind of look at me and then look at their plate and they... I can tell in their eyes that they think I'm judging them, and I I could care we less. We could care less. I could literally care less, but uh, I feel like, especially for our jobs, we get categorized as food police. Yes. And again, we have a lot of knowledge that people don't have, so if people want our opinions and right. they want to sit down and talk to us about it, about I'm fine talking. Yeah, I'm fine talking right. to them, but again, I just, we don't want people thinking that if they meet us for the first time, we are going to judge what's on their plate because I've been at plenty of gatherings where I've had, let's say Cheetos on my plate (laughs) and they find out I'm a dietitian and they look at me and it's like, yeah, I like Cheetos. This is real life. Do I have them in my house? Usually never. Sometimes. 99% of the time, no. Come back around my birthday. Yeah. No, this is, so this is really funny. So we went to my neighbor's um, wedding. They just got married a few months ago. And on their table, they had donuts. Like, that was, like, their, like, dessert. Sounds it was delicious. super cute. Donuts are, like, the best food ever so invented. So good, yeah. And I was like, first of all, why wasn't Pinterest around when I got married so that I knew about freaking having donuts as dessert? I've been to a few with them. Oh, that's the best. So they had donuts sitting in the middle of the table. So we were sitting at a table of, like, eight or ten people, and we were all kind of, like, chatting. No one knew each other, and we were all chatting, and eventually, like, shared what we all did. Got to me. I'm a dietitian oh, like, started talking to me about food, was really interested, it was a good conversation. We get up to go get our food. A, I'm not kidding, every person came back with half their plate full of salad. And I'm not saying that that's not how they normally eat. Right. But I have a suspicion that that's not how they normally eat. But they eat. added more lettuce totally. there. <laughs> then, and I, like, kind of see this, but whatever, I move on. Maybe they really love salad. All ten of them. I do <laughs> like salad. Yeah, yeah it, whatever. Moving on, it starts to become, like, time for dancing. And I look around at every other table, and it's these really cute donut stands. They're, like, two posts sticking up, and yes. donuts are just, like, put on top of each other. Every single table's down to, like, one donut left, maybe two. Our table, zero donuts eaten. Why didn't you have one yet? Well, so, let's back up. <laughs> I had been eating and, like, talking with everyone and was distracted eating, whatever, and just hadn't gotten to a donut yet. But yes. everyone else had... Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, I think I had two. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. But it was just funny to me, and I totally saw that as like, oh, they're... I, and I lean over to Josh, and I go, do you think they're not eating donuts because I'm a dietitian? And he goes, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I was like, well, then let me be the first one. And I reached in, and I grabbed a donut. I'm not kidding. Under 30 seconds later, two or three more people went and grabbed another donut. Yeah. It's like, it's this pressure that people put on us to be perfect eaters which we are not, which is part of the reason why we started this podcast, but also, like, we're just humans who enjoy food, and we believe in enjoying food, and we're not here to stop you from enjoying food. We like to cook, we like to eat. Totally. like to try new foods. So it puts pressure on us externally, but I think also we're guilty of putting pressure on ourselves internally, too. Mm -hmm. I'm a dietitian, I should know better, I should do better, I should blah, blah, blah. No, the fact of the matter is we're all human. We do know more about nutrition because we've been formally educated and we know how to nourish our bodies. And I think we tend to do a good job of being in tune with ourselves, but it doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we eat this like 
crazy high standard diet and expect everyone else to go up there. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that because that's a good point. Yes. Number five is respect your fullness. This is just a really quick point because we've yeah. already kind of discussed this, but just eating slowly at your meal um, is important because it takes a while for the satiety signals to get from our stomachs to our brains. So if you're eating slowly at a meal, you can then determine when you're feeling full. And then when you're feeling full, just stop and put your food away for leftovers or give it to somebody at your table and don't force yourself to right. just finish your plate like we've talked about. And so just yeah. being, respecting being Respecting full. your fullness. And I think this goes back to, and maybe we'll do a whole episode about this because I think we could probably fill an entire episode with like a hunger fullness scale mm-hmm. and talking about what that actually feels like to feel full. It doesn't feel like Thanksgiving full. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole scale we could talk about another time. Um, but basically respecting that fullness, maybe stopping eating the food, um, maybe before you start eating, check in with how hungry you are, eat some food, take a break, think about yourself and think, oh, do I feel full? Am I still hungry? Mm-hmm. If so, great. Then keep eating. But if not, stop. Even if right. you're halfway through, through, even if you're a third of the way through, whatever that looks like on your plate, you can stop eating, push it away, do right. something that makes you know that you're done eating, you've made this decision. Some people like, Put, they talk about this in the book, put their silverware on top of their plate or a napkin on top of their plate to signify I've made this decision that I'm done eating, so I'm done. If you're still hungry, then great, keep eating or put it in the fridge and eat it later if you're still hungry. But mm-hmm. check in with that fullness, beginning of the meal, middle of the meal, end of the meal, see where you're at. Yeah. And respect it. And then if you have leftovers, great, now that's one less <laughs> meal to cook. That's how I always look at it. I always look at it as, yes. oh man, if I can take some leftovers home from this restaurant, totally. I don't have to make lunch tomorrow. Oh, I when I it. make dinner, because I, I love to cook, but I only love to cook t- like three to four times a week. Yeah. Maximum. Yeah. So I want leftovers. So sometimes when my husband's extra we, hungry, we I'm getting extra. a second portion, yeah. and then my son does, I'm like... Okay, that's great. Respect your hunger and fullness. Is there enough for leftovers? No? Okay, I'll just cook again tomorrow. It's fine. It's so funny. Yes. I respect your hunger and fullness, but yes. I want leftovers. We need to make more food. Yes. Imagine one day when I have five kids. Right. <laughs> Costco's my life. All right, number six, discover the satisfaction factor. We already kind of talked about this yeah, again, we kind of so we're not going to touch on this too much, but um, it's just if you're eating something that you realize doesn't taste as good as normal or it doesn't taste it's not satisfying you at that point or that day don't don't keep eating because you're bored Mm -hmm. or keep eating because it's in front of you um you think more will satisfy something yes which is not the case right typically satis like satisfaction yeah is that a word no. no. <laughs> satisfaction. Yes. Satisfaction. Oh, dear God. Um, satisfaction yeah. comes with a, I don't want to say what size amount, but usually a smaller amount than probably what you're planning on eating of the right kind of food. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of said about dark chocolate versus milk chocolate. I can keep eating milk chocolate all day. It's not going to, like, what was the word Satisfy- I, I wanted to say that. Satisfaction. Word. Yeah, but what was the word I made up? Satisfaction. It's not real. It's not real. It's not going to work until I have that dark chocolate. Went to college. I did. You know, I'm just kidding. They didn't teach me those words in college. I'd be learning. Um, And then the other thing is with uh, the satisfaction factor. There's another book. It's called Mindless Eating. I have it at home. And one of the chapters talked about. They did a study of movie theater popcorn, and they gave a group. Um, stale popcorn that was not fresh and then they gave a group 
yes. with, like, real fresh popcorn. And they realized that when people were eating in front of the movie, the same matter. it didn't matter. The same amount would be gone. And so, yeah, it was just weird. interesting to think about. So if you're eating in front of a TV, you're eating, like, mindlessly. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you don't even think about the quality of the food. And so just, like, paying attention to the quality of the food that you're eating. How many times have we all gotten french fries and they're not great? Yeah. But we still eat them. I always finish French fries. Totally. <laughs> but Chick-fil-A's French fries are always good. <laughs> Let's be honest. Gonna, you know, I told Josh one of our date nights should be going around to, like, every, like, any place with a drive through get their fries, and decide which fry we like the best. Because there are certain... I think my favorite is, um... Oh, gosh. It's good our, Times. I've never, I've never been to a Good Times. I don't know if you can have their fries, because they might be battered. I just know that they have custard there, and yes. I haven't... I haven't... I haven't gone there yet, and it's close to me. I, I need to go it. there for the custard. I so I don't love custard. Oh, <laughs> Number three thing we don't agree yeah. on. <laughs> but um, anyways, I like their fries. But that's really interesting. That's an interesting study. I think that this just made me think we should have an entire episode of mindful eating because there's a lot that goes okay. into that. That'd be good. Anyways, so discover satisfaction factor. The other thing I quick wanted to say about this is something that the book goes over um, and I think needs to be addressed is there's a part of eating that's literally just for the joy of eating. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to tune into. This isn't like intuitive eating, only eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. Yeah, that should be your main principle. But there's also times where you may not be hungry, but that piece of chocolate cake or that piece of whatever looks really good and you you really want it, okay, let yourself have it so that you're not thinking about it and trying to fill a void mm-hmm. for later. There's part of food that's just loving to eat and enjoying the social company that you have while eating and there's parts of that satisfaction oh I almost said it again <laughs> satisfaction that's not a word satisfaction I'm just Get gonna that go out of your die in a hole now <laughs> so embarrassing <laughs> anyways um there's part of that satisfaction <laughs> satisfaction that's the word you're, satisfaction. you're reaching for I need a dictionary <laughs> stat satisfaction that's important when you're thinking about eating that something that will actually satisfy you not just fill your hunger mm-hmm. desires your needs number seven is honor your feelings without using food so as humans we have a lot of different emotions that range from happy to sad so if we're excited about something or celebrating something a lot of time that has to do with eating and then also when we're sad about something like let's say your boyfriend just dumped you and you turn, I think of Friends again, where <laughs> Chandler turns to the ice cream and they said, we're not giving you low fat, we're giving you the good the stuff. Thing. And yeah, if you think about going through a breakup, you don't have to just eat ice cream just because you're going through a breakup. Or because media tells us to. I mean, look yeah. at Friends as an episode that shows us specifically like, oh, when you're sad, eat ice cream. That is like a stereotypical thing. Or a birthday party, cake totally. and ice cream. Yeah, sure. It doesn't mean that you have to eat it. You that can. day, you can if you totally. want it or if it looks good, but just because it's somebody's birthday doesn't mean you have to eat the right. cake at their party. And I think tuning into how you deal best with feelings, and this, you know, really honestly might need to go through a therapist. If you have, you know, certain feelings around loneliness or depression or anxiety, I'm a big anxious eater. I can really put down some food when I'm anxious for no reason boredom like procrastination that's my other one if I want to procrastinate I'll eat using food as a reward like oh if I write this paper then I'll, I can have those M&Ms or whatever all of these feelings around 
not even necessarily food, but around life, find ways that you cope best. Maybe sometimes that is food, and that's fine. But if it really is, oh, I'm anxious, is food going to help me, or is going for a run going to help me better? Or going, yeah, going for a walk, reading. Literally sitting outside in the sun. Like, I cannot tell you how many times that literally just sitting outside in the sun, no movement, no exercise, just sitting in the sun and getting that vitamin D makes me feel instantly better. Reading a book, maybe it's distracting yourself. I love to hand letter, (laughs) doing some sort of artwork. Like, there are so many other therapeutic ways to get through your feelings or to process them that are really um, functional versus eating. And sometimes it does. I mean, sometimes eating totally does help. And there's comfort in eating. You know, I feel like grieving, there's part of, like, when you bring casseroles to a friend's house when they're grieving. There is part that does help. And that's totally fine to use food. But it should be one one of the tools in your tool belt, Mm -hmm. not the only one to deal with emotions. Right. Just because you're sad doesn't mean you have to eat something. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I think that's a good one. And then respect your body is number eight. So I think that's just not, and maybe that means going off social media for a little bit. Totally. Or unfollowing unfollowing people from social media. Because if you feel like you're scrolling through Instagram and you feel like all it's doing is making you sad and look at yourself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. looking at yourself differently, then you either need to unfollow people or you need to get off Instagram for a little bit because try following people that encourage healthy body image. Yeah. Like really there's so many body positive. There's some really good people I follow, yeah. Yeah. There's not there's also some not great body positive people I feel like but there's some really good body body positive people that are really it's it's just about loving who you are right now not Mm -hmm. who you're going to be after you lose 10 pounds or in six months or when you start exercising it's loving who you are and respecting who you are right now in the body that you're in and that Mm -hmm. means treating yourself with the same respect you imagine you would treat yourself when you're the size you want to be does that make sense I love that so this goes to a point okay so think about Aiden your child and I'm going to think about Jesse my husband so if if Aiden, let's say he got a little chubby, mm-hmm. let's say he got a little chubby at some point, mm-hmm. would you love him any less? Oh my gosh! <laughs> no. Okay, and same with so Jesse. Cute. Let's say he, let's say he put. Okay, he's tiny. Let's say he put on <laughs> thirty pounds because I could say ten and yeah. I wouldn't notice. Um, let's say he put on thirty pounds. Would I? Would that change my love for him? No, absolutely not. Right. And same with me. If I totally uh, well, I'm pregnant, so I've gained weight. <laughs> I have a bigger belly. Perfect His example. love for me has not changed. Right. And so you think about the fact that you are not going to love your closest friends or family members right. any different if they gain weight or lose weight. So why should we do that to ourselves? Exactly. We right. shouldn't. We need to love ourselves at every size. They're not at all correlated. They're not correlated. If I say I'm going to really start loving myself once I hit 140, that's the point that I'm going to feel confident and love myself. No. What are you waiting for? And why is the number on a scale going to determine your happiness? Because guess what? If I get to that 140 or whatever, I'm... It doesn't I'm not going to love myself anymore. I'm going to be honest. It's so funny. It's like literally when you hit those scale victories I'm using quotations you can't see on the podcast these scale victories how many people literally feel good long term 
Yeah, maybe the second you step on that scale, you feel a sense of victory. You feel a sense of accomplishment. You step off that scale, your life is still the same. Your marriage mm-hmm. is still the same. Your relationships are still the same. Your nothing job has is changed. the same. Your, your stress level is the same. There's nothing that's going to magically change. And you talk to anyone who's lost weight. You talk to anyone who's a healthy weight. Their struggles are just as real as your struggles. Mm-hmm. It literally the same. So it's like you think. I don't know. I just always think of how are you. How are you planning to treat yourself when you are the size you want to be? Yeah. And, and what start, are you waiting yeah, for? Yeah, start treating yourself that way now. Because yeah. your body is not going to respond the way you want it to yeah. if you're at war with your body. Yeah. Let's say yeah. you do have weight to lose, which is completely up to you and your DNA. But if you do have that weight to lose, you think you're going to lose it if you're fighting your body and treating you're it like crap. battling yourself. Yeah. No. Mentally. Yeah. Not resting because no. you're exercising like crazy. Not eating enough food to support all the exercise. Your body's not going to respond. It's going to flip out on you, and it's stronger than you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and if you talk to any, um, I mean, I've, like, read different interviews with, like, supermodels and Uh people who you look at. I mean, for me, like, my perfect, okay, there's, like, you, like, think of women who you look up to and just, you think are just gorgeous. So, for me, it's, like, Jennifer Lopez. Like, I look at her, and I think... You're so cute. She is just (laughs) the most beautiful person Uh on the planet. Like, I love her. If I could take anybody's body, I would take her body. Uh J-Lo. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're incredible. Um, But I'm sure, deep down, she has things about her body that she feels uncomfortable about, or she feels self-conscious about, when most of us would look at her and say she's beautiful and she's gorgeous so I think you look at any celebrity or model or anybody who you would consider that they have the perfect body but if you ask them they will tell you their flaws and so no matter what we look like we all have flaws we all have insecurities we all have things about our body that we don't like and most people honestly don't notice I was gonna say that no one's paying attention. I read no. all this stuff about getting your bikini body, getting all this blah, 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 being embarrassed at the beach. No one's looking at you mm-hmm. because they're all worried about other people. They're all worried them. about themselves. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, And part of this too that I want to touch on, but we'll, we'll probably do a whole episode on this, postpartum body. Girl. We're going to do a whole episode on girl, this. Girl, if you're in postpartum 100%. body, this still applies to you. Yeah. That's all we I need will, to say. We will... 100% we are going to talk about pregnancy for one uh-huh. whole episode we are going to talk probably one or two episodes about postpartum yeah. pressure getting your body back after baby because right. you've had to go through this totally. you, you're gonna probably go through yeah. this multiple times hopefully four more times and <laughs> or twins uh, yeah and I'm sure I'll be going through this yeah. multiple times and so right. since you've gone through it and I will be going through this very soon I think that's something we have to talk about yeah. because it's such a huge thing. I hate... Well, I wish I, I had hate... the percentage of, like, women who become moms. It's not a small percentage. Right. And we all have end up having... That's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> we all end up having postpartum bodies in some fact. Yeah. Whatever, so. and, yeah, and, and, and they vary so much by person. And I think the hard thing that I don't like about society is putting pressure on women to get that postpartum body back at at a specific time because for some people they may get back to their somewhat typical size you know in a few months three or four months whereas some women you know at nine months to a year is when they kind of feel like they're back to their normal and it's okay for all of us to be at different um at different points with postpartum so that's going to be a whole episode so stay tuned we will 
100% that's a topic I want to talk about. Um, the next point is actually our next episode. So <laughs> we're just going to very lightly touch on it right now because our whole next episode's on this. Um, so number nine is exercise feel the difference. I don't even really want to talk about it I much know. because... We have so much to talk about in the next episode. really want to expand on this and on our personal experiences. But basically part of intuitive eating, respecting your body is what I do want to kind of touch on is uncoupling exercise with weight loss. Mm-hmm. There's a whole, and we'll talk about this in the next episode. Stay tuned next week. Listen next week. I, yeah, exactly. Um, all, just about how exercise really is a way, is another way to show your body respect and honor your body. So that's all we'll say. That's all we'll Cliff say. Cliffhanger. You have to listen to next <laughs> week's episode. All right, number 10. This is the last one. Um, and it this is a really important one, and we were just talking about this before we started recording, is honor your health. So instead of checking in on the scale to tell you how you're doing, it is listening to your body. So focusing on how you're feeling after meals, focusing how you're feeling after certain snacks, and thinking about the energy levels you feel after that, your digestion, your stomach, um, your skin, just like really tuning into your your body because right. like we both said earlier there may be foods that I eat that I just know I feel terrible after I eat and then there may be that same food you feel you feel fine after eating um, so listening to those body signals and then also still eating things that honor your health right and that's the hard thing that we <laughs> discussed earlier about intuitive eating we don't want our listeners to think that intuitive eating means eating whatever you want, whenever you want, and saying, well, they talked about intuitive eating. I'm going to eat cupcakes every single day. Right. Because guess what? You probably don't want a cupcake every day. That is not sustainable. I mean, really, like, it's interesting in the book they talk about this where when people are first recovering from some of the diet culture disordered eating, not, we're not talking extreme eating disorders like what you picture when I think of eating disorders, but these mild in-betweens um, or moderate in-betweens. I think most people have a eating. little degree Total of disordered eating. For sure. Yeah. So when you're first recovering from that, rejecting the diet culture, there might be a few days, weeks, whatever, of you just literally eating whatever you want, whatever you want. And that's fine. To be okay with food again, that's totally fine. But when you're in active recovery, when you're trying to get a healthy relationship with food, you need to pay attention to your hunger levels your fullness cues, and what you need to be satisfied, like we already talked about in this podcast. So honoring your health Mm -hmm. and learning about nutrition, not in a restrictive, perfect, uh, make a spreadsheet, eat the same thing every day, be perfect about my nutrition way, but learning about what nourishes your body makes you feel good. And we can talk more about like all these external cues that I'm a healthy person, like your skin and your um, your sleep at night, your exercise level, your fitness strength, your hair, like so many external things that you can look to outside of stepping on a scale. Mm-hmm. And so really I think that it's not about having this perfect diet, but there is a part of nutrition, and this is not a bait and switch, eat whatever you want, oh, surprise, eat this. It's learning what nutritious food looks like and do you want it. And mm-hmm. if you want it and your body's craving it, then eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just focusing on what what I'm putting into my body, is this overall, is this helping my health or hurting my health? Right. And there's days 
I think a lot of people kind of get into that mindset of like their goal is going to be 80, 20. And I think that's a, that's a really reasonable goal Right. is that I generally want 80% of what I put into my body to be really nourishing, good mm-hmm. food that is going to help support my body, my immune system and support me to function well. But if 20% of that food is quote unquote unhealthy, food. but stuff that I genuinely enjoy and right. I think tastes good and it satisfies me in that moment, then that's okay. And totally. you need to tell yourself that's okay. So and I, honestly, when we give ourselves permission to eat whatever we want, whenever we eat it, like there is research out there that shows that temptation people will goes down. <laughs> well, and people, yeah, temptation goes down it, that those foods lose their appeal for the most part. But people, it really does show that people end up nourishing their bodies because they know they function well. If you want to wake up the next day with energy, being able to show up for your life, talk to your husband and to, you know, whatever you need to communicate to him the next day. If you want to be able to play with your kids, run around on the floor with them, take your dog on a walk and have these kind of levels of energy that you want in your life, then you have to nourish your body. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, you just need to tune in what your body needs when it needs it. Mm -hmm. So, but this is a really important part of intuitive eating that I think some people tend to leave out and they focus so much on rejecting the diet culture and eating what you want and being okay with every food. And absolutely, we totally 100% agree with that. But there is a component that once you're in that active recovery, trying to rebuild your relationship with food of tuning into your body, learning how it responds to different foods and honoring those food choices and preferences that your body is telling you and not ignoring them and suppressing them in the name of free for all eat whatever I want or restricted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just finding that healthy balance. So for me, I feel like 80, 20 right. general rule. I don't want to call it a rule, but 80, 20 comes out to about 80, 20. Yeah. For me, generally yeah. that's what my diet looks and like. And this is like whole picture, right? So I th- always tell people to like, look at it from mm-hmm. a 10,000 foot perspective like, this is not, here's my plate, 80% healthy, 20% unhealthy. Right. Sometimes, maybe that's what it looks like. But typically, we're talking about at a week at a whole, at a year right. at a whole, at a month at a whole, at your day as a whole. Yes. Not these individual, oh, well, I can have two pieces of chocolate because my lunch was this. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're talking right. about indulging in what satisfies you, eating and honoring your hunger, respecting your fullness, and listening to your body, and being attuned to it. Right. So Exactly. Okay, I think that's it. Yeah, so anyway, you guys should buy the book if you haven't. Again, it's on Amazon. It's called Intuitive Eating or do the audio book. We'll be talking about it a lot more. It's really probably one of the founding principles of who we are as dietitians and what we believe. So this isn't going away, um, but we wanted to do a whole episode dedicated to it to just get you, um, like, just to get you to a point where you understand where we're coming from and where our principles are coming from um for the most part so thanks for tuning in yeah and just as as you guys listen to future episodes you know we're going to have episodes where we talk about specific nutrition topics we may bring up diets specifically we also may bring up macronutrients and proteins and carbs and fats and why we need those and those things we want to let you know it's okay to educate yourself and learn about nutrition but when it starts becoming rigid rigid and to a point where it is stressing you out right. you have to know everything or you're following rules or you're not giving, being flexible or graceful with yourself yeah that is not a place we need you to be that's not right. a place where anyone thrives so right. 
Yeah. So it's hard to find that balance. We're also interested in educating people about gentle nutrition, putting people into places where they have a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with their body and movement, and also enjoy nourishing themselves and getting the most out of the food that they're eating in all different ways, whether that be satisfaction or physical hunger. So anyways, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, We've also decided we're uploading now every Tuesday, at least for the time being, because Tuesday is the worst day of the week. (laughs) So hopefully this makes your Tuesday a little bit better. I know it will for me. But, um, yeah, let us know if you guys have any specific topics you want us to cover or any questions. Like, every once in a while we'll do some listener questions. So let us know on our Instagram and any post you can just, you know, write a comment or email us at hello at dietrightpodcast.com. Thanks, guys. And then hit that subscribe button. That way all the new episodes will just automatically download for you. That's right. So it's important to hit that subscribe button. And rate if you like us. Yeah, five star if ratings you, only. If you don't, if you don't like us, don't read us, please. <laughs> if you don't like us, don't tell your if friends. If you don't like us, email us. All right. Don't yeah, that's rate fine. us where yes. public people can read about it. <laughs> but if you like what you're hearing, yes. you think we're entertaining, and you think you're learning at least one little tidbit from each uh, from that each podcast, fun. then yeah. Subscribe, tune in, tell your, friends. tell your friends. Ooh, I know. A lot of my favorite podcasts will say this thing where they're like, when you're listening on your phone, take a screenshot of the podcast you're listening to, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag us. Oh, nice. Yeah, it I usually like just send it to my friend. I which usually... is why I've never done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just screenshot podcasts and right. I'll, I'll text them to people saying, yeah, oh, totally. this is a good episode. Well, there's like a way on iTunes to, to share. share the link. Yeah, I've, I've done that too. So. You know, you do you, technologically advanced people. Um, or don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks. See you later. See you next time.